I'm Annie Apple, and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports-related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burr, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app. HD you are listening to a Live Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. In terms of like the key learnings for VCs, what would those really be? You know, coming out from the pandemic. You know, I think going into the going into March, you know, we'd had ten years worth of a bull run in the world, right? Since well, more than ten years, twelve years, two thousand eight onwards. Uh, post the financial crisis, and given the low interest rates in the U.S. and and elsewhere in the world, I think the the equity markets have done very well, right? In the last ten years, ten twelve years, um, and so that percolated down to sort of from the public markets to the late stage private markets to now the early mar- early stage venture markets, and so there was some inflation, um, I think, in in valuations. Uh, towards the beginning of this year, um, I think there was whenever, and I've been a founder myself uh, twenty years ago. Uh, raised venture capital um, and and grew the company, and then it got acquired in two thousand three. It's a little while ago, um, and so I've seen how too much capital can also uh, cause uh, companies to be a bit looser in their execution and have a little bit more. Uh, extra burn than they need to have. And I think the learning is that there's always efficiency to be um, had in a company. And a lot of these companies trimmed down a little bit, trimmed burn, and uh, and really have continued performing. So I think we were there was a little bit of sort of fat in the system, let's put it that way, that has come out of the system. I think what, another learning is that if you just stick to your focused core of what you're doing, lots more opportunities open up. I think his, you know, coming into this, uh, coming into this year, a lot of companies had diversified into ten different areas and, you know, tried to do everything. I think it pays to be a little bit more circumspect on that, a bit more focused. Get your focused businesses to sort of moving towards profitability or profitable, and then sort of start expanding into other areas. I think that that was another lesson learned. Um, and I think B2B software also came it came into its own in the last uh, quarter. We'd all thought, you know, enterprises would not buy, you know, that would come to a grinding halt. But that's continued very strongly and has not been as impacted as consumer. So I think the shift in India from being a very consumer-centric startup ecosystem to being an enterprise and consumer ecosystem has lasted. And... Uh, and so um, you know, that's exciting. That's a good lesson coming out that India is going to produce world-class enterprise software companies, enterprise tech companies, and not just consumer companies. That's sort of very beautifully laid out. Uh, tell me one thing, Dave. Uh, you know, when I speak with private equity investors, uh, I mean, there seems to be a big FOMO developing in, you know, on their part. They're so seduced by venture capital. And I think all of them have this realization that they perhaps 
missed out on investing in very meaningful businesses. When you are talking to some of these, uh, you know, late stage private equity investors, what really are sort of you know the conversation going out there? You think there is a more increasing realization on the so-called PE, which traditionally has been, you know, going after more steady stream of revenues, organizations which are more profitable to look at perhaps enterprises that are not necessarily profit seeking but can have huge growth potential. What really is your sense there? Yeah, so I'm not that tuned into that market, but I'd say, you know, now having been an investor for the last 14 years and and then a founder before that, so being in tech since the late 90s, I'd say sort of, you know, as business cycles come and go, different investors become interested and become disinterested, um, and I think every every investor category has its merit and is absolutely valid, and their core business is their core business. Right, um, you know, even venture invest early stage venture investors start sometimes start doing very late stage deals. Private equity players might do venture capital deals. Public market investors might do late stage privates, and so on and so forth. So there's a little bit of a, you know, investing beyond sort of your core business. Um, I don't see any sort of um, secular long term trend where private equity companies become private equity investors become technology investors. I think if they're technology businesses that are cash flowing, um, there are there's a lot of activity, especially in mid market private equity, which are smaller, let's say sub billion dollar value um, technology companies that are cash flowing, where these private equity companies come in and buy buy them out, uh, lever them up, and sort of go from there. I think some of that is happening, uh, less so in India, more so I would say in the U.S. and Europe currently. Um, But look, it's always good to have more capital in the ecosystem, especially late stage capital for our early stage companies as they scale um, at light speed. We've also, um, you know, earlier this year, um, you know, uh, light speed uh, in the U.S. announced a couple of growth funds, light speed select and light speed opportunity, which we can bring in to invest in our India companies, and have been doing so for the last several years. So as Lightspeed, we can do early stage and later stage investments um, and support our companies all the way through. But you know, the more later stage capital there is, the better, and it's good for our Indian ecosystem. I think there's been a dearth of capital in the past. I feel that there's plenty of capital now. Yeah, that's a fair point. Plenty of capital. That brings me to my next question. That you know, this entire Atmanirbhar campaign of the government. And this entire narrative building around uh, de-globalization, really, and the interconnectedness of supply chains. So, what has that really meant for you know Indian startups? You know, has they been thinking in the VC boardrooms to perhaps uh, you know think of some of those, think one of those lines on how you're building out products? Because the world is increasingly uh, not really as flat as Thomas Friedman thought it to be perhaps few years back. Um. I think that quote that he did uh, came from uh, Mr. Narayan Murthy, if I remember correctly, or or maybe Nanda Nilekani when he was meeting him. I think he quoted him. Um, but uh, you know, in terms of um, Indian companies building for the Indian uh, Indian customers, I must say that for us here, Lightspeed, at least, that's been the case since since the beginning. I remember one of our first investments in India. I think it was 2010 or so was a company called Indian Energy Exchange, 
which is a B2B marketplace to trade electricity. It might sound really obscure, but we know that India has or had uh, an electricity problem with all the blackouts that we used to have at that time. Now, it turns out that India as a whole has more electricity supply than demand, but it's unevenly distributed um, all over the place. And a marketplace made perfect sense to get this electricity distributed to the right places. That was an Indian company solving a very Indian problem. That was 2010, right? That company went public in 2017 at, I think, an $800 million valuation. We were the first investors, uh, and the company didn't have to raise any more capital after that first round, so they did very well as a company and solved a very Indian problem. That's been the case. ShareChat, which I've already mentioned, is a is the first product in India, first company in India to launch in 14 different languages. It's a market leader in communities and groups. It's an Indian product for the Indian community. Uran, as a B2B commerce market, was the first in its category to do B2B commerce between retailers and their suppliers, right? All of these are first. Here at Lightspeed, we're also very focused on enterprise software, focused on the India market. I talked about Yellow Messenger. That started with Indian customers um, serving sort of... Uh, BFSI companies and retailers and Bajaj and a bunch of these companies were their customers. And so we believe in the Indian market. We've been investing behind companies, building for the Indian market. I think maybe what you're, I don't know, but I think maybe what you're referring to is sort of, you know, Indian um, corporates using software from elsewhere, like from SAP or Oracle or, you know, wherever else, or Indian consumers using uh, services from elsewhere, whether it's uh, Facebook or uh, whatever else there might be, right? Um, you know, that is the case. I do think that makes India a more attractive market when it's open and there's competition and, uh, you know, may the best person win. I don't think that means that Indian companies should not compete on, on, on that world-class level. I absolutely think Indian companies can. Indian companies win all over the world. Um, and, uh, you know, we, you know, in the ecosystem, not in our portfolio, companies like Freshworks and, and, uh, Zoho are companies that have won on a global basis, uh, Dhruva and a bunch of others, um, on the consumer side, there's Indian companies that have gone abroad to Southeast Asia. One of our companies, Magic Pin is in Indonesia right now. You've heard of Oyo, of course, and Ola has gone to, I think, Australia and the UK, you know, even the consumer companies are winning abroad. So we can absolutely compete on the world-class level, just like the old economy in India has competed with open sort of borders in a sense. Um, our, uh, our two-wheelers industry is the best in the world and very efficient. Steel manufacturing, um, a whole bunch of other stuff is uh, very efficient. We actually, we actually invested in a company called Zetwork, which is a manufacturing marketplace and people might think India doesn't have an advantage in manufacturing. It turns out when we did the work that India has a comparative advantage to China in high value, low volume manufacturing. These are this manufacturing of boilers and roofing and sort of uh, electric uh, light poles and you know custom manufacturing. And we have an advantage in that. And Zetwork is the leader in India in, in B2B manufacturing, and it partners with all these small businesses in India that are small factories and brings them into the global marketplace. And there's absolutely an advantage there. That's, that's building an Indian company, taking serving Indian customers, yet also serving customers in the US and Europe and everywhere else. So, you know, 
I, th- I think there's a narrative on sort of, for some reason that ha- started happening 10 years ago that Indian companies were copies of, of, you know, something happening elsewhere. Maybe there was some of that happening, but on the whole, I think founders are solving problems for India. You know, where is, uh, where, you know, what is Misho? Where is the equivalent of that elsewhere in the world, right? You know, uh, IE, Indian Energy Exchange or ShareChat or, um, or uh, Yellow or, um, you know, uh, who's done two wheelers like Ola has, right? Who's built up guest houses to be like hotels like Oyo has in the world? Like nobody's done that. These are, this is Indian innovation. I'll take it all the way back to Bharti Airtel. Nobody had done an asset like mobile operator in the world until they did it. Then it got copied everywhere else in the world, right? So this innovation comes in all sorts of ways. And I think we've been innovating here in India at the business model level. I think what we now need going forward is more innovation at the zero to one technology level. Um, so when we, you know, we started, we started to see things in space tech now, in drones, um, in uh, biotech, in these areas that are interesting zero to one innovations that are starting to come out of India. I think that'll be really fun over the next decade. My concluding question to you, Dave, is just about this interesting initiative that you're part of India Internet Day and how is that sort of coming along? It's coming along very well. It's uh, it's happening on August seventh uh, and eighth. It's all online, purely online, and we're going to have thousands of uh, people attending there. Uh, we've got two very specific tracks that are going to be exciting for people to tune into. One is a first of its kind in India, which is a track on SME technology. India has the largest number of SMEs in the world at sixty million, um, and they've never used technology before. Um, and so this is a complete white space that we're seeing marketplaces, software companies, financial services companies, lots of players going into. And for the first time in India, we will have panels focused on each of these areas I just talked about. A very One very fun panel there on um, actually owners of these small businesses talking on the panel, a factory owner, a Kirana store owner, um, and so on and so forth, speaking together and talking about their problems, how they got through COVID and how they were doing before COVID and how they use technology and all that stuff. That's one track that I think is unique and people should attend for that. Again, purely online from the safety um, and the comfort of your home. And the second is more of a consumer track, um, which is how COVID had an impact on the consumer side and how these companies are reimagining themselves as they come out of uh, COVID, we're going to have some exciting speakers because it's online. The speakers will be from abroad as well. So we can learn from other countries and and founders and, and investors who've done spectacularly well in those other places. So it's going to be an exciting conference. Uh, would love to have your viewers join us. Absolutely, Dave. I look forward to this. And thank you so much for sort of coming on board and sharing those insights with us. Another time to see you next. Goodbye and good luck and do stay safe. Thank you. Thank you, Shuja. Thank you. You are listening to a Live Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. I'm Annie Apple, and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burrow, DeAndre Hopkins, 
Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app.